0: Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 32 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down um, with a friend and mentor, uh, Don Corbin. And uh, when Heather and I were first commissioned, um, him and Virginia were leading the Africa office, and uh, they were the ones that encouraged us to go and learn French and uh, and uh, told us all about Burkina Faso when I didn't even know Burkina. Aquino Faso existed. And um, just over the years have been uh, really spoken in um, to my life and Heather's life as we've lived and worked in the Indian Ocean Basin. For those of you who do not know, Don Corbin and uh, Virginia in the Indian Ocean Basin are like uh, highly, highly respected. And so um, his French is impeccable. And uh, so it's just been a joy to uh, learn from him, get to travel with him. Um, he's come to Madagascar several times. We've got to travel to reunion together. Um, I've got to sit in in some of his leadership classes as he's taught um, in Reunion and, uh, and and also Mauritius. And so it's just been valuable and just really appreciated him spend spending time with us on the podcast today. I um, do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is Wes and Peggy Reed, collaborators in life and mission. And I'm really looking forward to our time together. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a, a longtime mentor and uh, someone I would like to call friend, um, Don Corbin. Don, it's so, so exciting to have you on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Great to see you across the miles and uh, great to be with you. Amazing things of technology. Don, you and I know each other very well. Would you take just a few minutes just to share a little bit about yourself um, for the audience that might not know you as well?
1: Well, I'm a Midwestern American, grew up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, went to uh, college in Springfield, Missouri, and wound up back here where I've retired and uh, am based now. But uh, during those days, uh, met a lovely young lady, actually, uh, at the hospital where I was having my appendix removed as a second-year student. And... Uh, Wound up marrying this lovely nurse who I discovered was a missionary kid. She had grown up in Burkina Faso in West Africa. In fact, her parents were early Protestant missionaries to that country. They went there in 1932. Uh, She was born later during one of their furloughs uh, in Los Angeles, but went to Burkina at nine months. And... uh, Her parents and then her older sister and husband and her brother, older as well, and wife, were all missionaries. So to get into that family, uh, it wasn't a matter of good looks or money. (laughs) It was, are you willing to go to Africa? Has God called you to go to Africa? If he has, we'll talk. If not, uh, you're out of here, But So... God used her in an unusual way to speak to my heart about, uh, missions. I had, uh, sensed early on in my teen years, God's call into the ministry, but, uh, missions was not necessarily part of that, uh, that picture at that point, but, uh, God uses people to influence our lives. And an interesting experience, I'm probably giving you more information than you asked. Oh, Barbara. it's good. It's good. There's a little background, uh, At one point, uh, our relationship was broken off. Actually, uh, I accused her of breaking it off because uh, I wasn't ready to say, yes, I'm called to serve the Lord in missionary ministry. I can't say that I'm called to Africa. She said, well, goodbye then. Walked out of my life. (laughs) And... uh, you know, when you're young, uh, those are those are painful experiences. But it was a wonderful, blessed learning experience. Because I hadn't come up that close to anyone who was so willing to put God's call first and foremost in their lives. You know, I'd heard about it. Mm-hmm. I'd heard those illustrations and sermons in the church I attended, on and on. But... In real live flesh and blood experience, I had met that. And here was a gal who was willing to say no to marriage, no to family, no to children, no to a career, in order to serve Jesus first. <laughs> that really spoke to my heart and uh, drove me to my knees and to re creation. It's a long story, but God did call me separately from her. We connected back up and we married and uh, pastored in the U.S. and then went to Senegal in West Africa, stayed there about 11 years, moved to Ivory Coast another 11 years where I served as the area director for a mission in West and Central Africa, and then uh, served as the uh, regional director for Africa for another 17 years before retiring. So I'm an old... Retiree. (laughs)
0: Oh man, what a story of God's provision and God's grace and uh wonderful, wonderful. Don, um we don't really begin the podcast with a, a lesson learned. We've just found that um you know, if people can hear that we don't have we don't know everything and we don't have it all figured out. And uh, the, yes, we've had to learn. Also, it seems to help people identify um, with the guest. Is there a lesson that you learned maybe the hard way living and working in Africa? Well,
1: uh, how long how long should the list be? <laughs> you <asked laughs> uh, you, uh, you nailed it. Uh, I, I have a. I have a little, uh, it's not really a calendar, but it's a a dated uh, collection of African proverbs. And uh, the one for today is from Malawi. And it simply says that one head cannot carry a roof. Hmm. Um, What I learned early on is that uh, as a leader, I can't do it all, shouldn't do it all, but that uh, my highest uh, contribution can be to Help develop people who have gifts, many of them uh, greater than mine, who can do the work that we want to accomplish and invest in them and uh, do uh, do everything possible to uh, strengthen them and see them flourish, come into their own. But at times that can lead you down a, down a, a, a path of... Um, Learning, I learned uh, the hard way uh, with two people and I share this because uh, I think it's a trap for leaders to invest in what is not going to be positive to the expense of what is positive. Mm. Uh, I, uh, I fought for (laughs) Two individuals, one a missionary, one a national. The missionary to move from another part of the world where things hadn't gone well, where uh, his leadership uh, said we no longer have a place for him. But I thought he had gifts that could be used in Africa, and uh, I wanted to see him flourish. And so I fought for transfer fought for his appointment and placement, and uh, he came to Africa. Uh, sad to say, uh, I, I, I miscalculated. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and after, after several fields, uh, this particular person wound up returning to the USA. No doubt unhappy with my leadership and unhappy with uh, our mission and uh, uh, finished unhappily. In the process, however, I was constantly on the phone. He was constantly calling. Hmm. I was on email constantly
0: Hmm.
1: trying to uh, encourage, trying to help, trying to... uh, uh, steer toward productivity, uh, and on and on. Uh, and uh, I wound up having quite a collection of emails, I must <laughs> say, for yes. that particular person. The other uh, individual was a, was a African leader, uh, interesting person, great skills, great ability, natural gifts, and uh, he lived in a country where uh, beginning the, uh, the, the the church, at least as far as our mission entity was concerned, was, was hugely challenging. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, I and others along with me uh, invested time and effort and uh, funds in this man who seemed to be a key leader who could move and shake the situation and uh, had enough influence to bring the church into legal being where it had to have legal uh, recognition in order to function. Mm. It was kind of the same story as my American missionary colleague, constantly on the phone, constantly uh, complaining, constantly uh, advocating for himself. And to make a long story short, Finally, one day I took a look at uh, my inbox of emails that particular day i had I had over twelve hundred in my inbox and uh, so I went down through them and calculated and I recognized that the vast majority of my emails were from these two persons hmm. uh, took the time to calculate yeah. Uh, Out actually, yeah, eighty-five percent of my twelve hundred emails were from these two persons. (laughs) That meant that fifteen percent of the emails were from all the other missionaries in Africa.
0: Yeah,
1: who were doing their job, working hard, and uh, being productive and going on, Uh, and uh, it was an awakening. I realized that I was investing in non-productivity. To mm. the expense of productivity.
0: Wow, that's a good word.
1: So I wrote to both of them, and I said, "This is stopping. Mm. We're not going to continue this. Mm. Uh, I'm going to invest in the people who are uh, who are forging ahead." Uh, it was a good lesson. We learn uh, to choose our battles, and we learn in the process of leading uh, to. Uh, Choose in whom we invest the most time and effort, and uh, it's it's key uh, being able to uh, determine who is going to be your uh, your 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 most productive colleague, hmm. and uh, how to help him in in a mentoring relationship, in an encouraging relationship is is the challenge.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a good word. That's a good word. I,
1: I think um, I think that uh, in this area, especially uh, in the development of people as leaders, that we definitely need the insight of the Holy Spirit hmm. to help us. Hmm. Um, my father-in-law was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a missionary in the first wave of missionaries into Burkina Faso. Well, that church has become the, the, the largest Protestant church in the country. Uh, and so uh, they've done some things right. They've gone through some battles. They've lost some, but they've won a lot of them. And over 100 years, that church has grown to uh, yeah. huge dimensions in the land. Uh, and it's, uh, people are scattered everywhere in every level of uh, influence and business and uh, politics and on and on. Well, my, my father-in-law was an old farmer, uh, didn't come from an elite kind of uh, educational background, but he, he loved God with all his heart and uh, was, was a quiet visionary. Hmm. Uh, I won't take time to talk about all of the things that he envisioned and realized, but one of the intriguing things about him was that he saw the future in people. Wow. Two of the general superintendents were directly mentored by my, uh, my father-in-law. He worked with one early on, he had developed a literature ministry that distributed uh, gospel literature all over the country, set up uh, literature distribution centers and so on. And this, this young uh, Borkinen worked with him and uh, my father-in-law watched and listened and as he traveled with him and prayed with him as they worked together, his conclusion, and I believe it was by the insight of the spirit was this man will be the general superintendent of the church one day, Hmm. and that happened. Hmm. Then uh, my father-in-law then started a printing uh, uh, ministry with a full press in the capital city, and another young Burkinan came and worked with him as a printer, he trained him, and uh, the same thing happened. He said, Hmm. I I work with this man every day. I see him uh, in more than just a moment or two yeah. of a relationship. I see his character. This man will be the general superintendent one day. Wow! It happens. Wow! It happens. He invested in those men. Yeah. When I when I came along and became interested in his younger daughter, <laughs> <laughs> he checked me out. I'm sure up and down and sideways. But uh, later on, I learned that he had uh, told his son, my future brother-in-law. Uh, this man will be the Africa director one day. Mm. Mm. I'm glad I didn't know that until much later on. Mm. But mm. somehow he saw far ahead. I, I take that time, the time and tell that story to say, uh, as leaders, our greatest our greatest gift is influence. Mm. In fact, I'm convinced that leadership is primarily influence. Especially mm. in our setting, we don't work with employees; we work with uh, people who are called as we are. So, influence is uh, our greatest our greatest tool. Uh, Amen. Amen. I got to, you know, I
0: remember when I arrived in Burkina, um, Pastor Powentari, who was the general superintendent at the time, and uh, he said, your, your Assume as a God pastoral card will be more valuable than your passport. And I thought, wow, that's that's a big statement to make that, that, that my pastoral cards would be more valuable than, than my passport. And he was 100 percent right, um, because anytime there was any questions, please stop anything. You give them your passport didn't mean much. And then once you showed them your somebody's God pastoral card, you were good to go. It didn't because the integrity and what the church is, you're speaking of that your, your father-in-law helped plant there, um, was based on integrity and they valued the church. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a lesson for a young guy like me. We thought my American passport was the most valuable thing. Um, I learned real quick that pastoral card was, was a lot more valuable than, than the passport. So, so good yeah, I think,
1: stuff. Uh, I think we, we talk a lot about spiritual gifts. Hmm. I think the kind of insight that comes to leaders as they work with people that allows them to see what the future potential of uh, special individuals may be is, is key because it allows us to invest in those people that are going to be the, 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 the influencers of, of a vast population of believers in their country. Uh, I I prayed over and over again for funds. I used to say I prayed for a million dollars every day for all the projects across 50 plus countries in Africa. Yeah. But I prayed especially that God would help me, that God would help us as missionaries and the people like yourself who are involved in leadership to see what the future of individuals that we're working mm-hmm. with. Will be so that we're investing in the people that are going to make the church what it should be, build it mm-hmm. on the foundation of Christ and His word. Wow. And make it strong. Wow. Make it strong. Don, how in
0: the process, you know, you, you shared about two people that you had you looked at your email inbox and it was 85% there. How did you not get discouraged and just say, and, <laughs> I mean, some people are expensive, um, not necessarily in financial terms, but in time. And, um, you know, they take a lot of time and they can become very expensive. So how did you not become discouraged in that process and not put everybody into the same lot? Because you shared, but I had all these, those, all these other missionaries that were leading that were, were doing what God had called them to do. How did you navigate that and not become discouraged in that process?
1: Well, I became more discouraged with myself than I did with the missionaries. And uh, I had to say, Lord, uh, forgive me for not being insightful enough to uh, use my time well. The Scripture does uh, does admonish us to uh, redeem the time, where to make good use of it, not to throw it away. And uh, it was a it was a time of repentance for me, hmm. and reevaluation, of course, and uh, refocusing. Uh, I took it as a as a learning experience rather than as a as a as a painful personal experience. Hmm. Uh, I am grateful that uh, I have been able over the years, uh, and I suppose it's His grace that allows it to uh, to not uh, linger yeah. mentally and emotionally. Uh, over the, the the failures or the victories of the day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. My wife tends to be much more involved. Uh, I kid her about watching TV programs. She kind of climbs in the TV set and becomes part of what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I took it as an opportunity to uh, to... Be very careful in the future hmm. about uh, investing time and effort and uh, all that goes along with it in, in people that we're not going to uh, to uh, be productive or uh, serve the Lord in hmm. a positive way. Yeah. Uh, I think it as, a, as a learning experience, I said, Lord, teach me, yeah. help me to avoid this and help me to be insightful and find the people that you're looking for yeah. uh, I would just say that uh, i I made it a learning experience and moved on from there
0: yeah good
1: that's good, <laughs> that's good. What we have to do. yeah we have to if we linger on that we're still wasting our time
0: yeah, that's true that's a problem very
1: true. Where we uh, that we were uh, confronted with, so yeah,
0: that's good. That's good, Dom. One of the things that you're you're known for many things across Africa, um, but one of the things uh, that you're known for is is your language ability, um, specifically in French. Um, can you just share why? I mean, obviously that that took a lot of work, a lot of effort, um, because your French is is precise, um, it's exact, and so that, that doesn't just happen by accident. So what early on or in your in your missions career gave you the desire to learn language and focus and um, and perfect it?
1: I'd say, first of all, uh, the influence of my wife uh, and her experience. Uh, she grew up in a period of time when. uh, uh As a mission body, we uh, required uh, language learning in most of the countries where missionaries were being sent. In the country where her parents worked and she was an MK, uh, it was required of the missionaries that they learn the primary national language, the Mori language, the language of the Mosi people. It was primarily with the Moses that uh, our people were working. They were the uh, leadership tribe in the country, the most uh, populous and the most dominant uh, tribal group in the country. And uh, so uh, many of our missionaries in those days went directly to the field, learned the Mori language before they learned French, which became the official language uh, during colonial times and then after independence as well. Uh, And because of that, uh, the missionaries were able to communicate, to teach, to preach, to relate to the people, uh, both in the cities and out in the uh, uh, villages of the country. And uh, it was without doubt a key to the growth and development of the country. Looking back, I think uh, that while we did later require all of the missionaries to learn French before going to Burkina, uh, I think that uh, if in the earliest days we had only required French, the official language of education and government uh, documents and so on and so forth, our missionaries would have been at a disadvantage. There's nothing that speaks any more uh, deeply than the language of the heart. Hmm. And even among the educated, uh, uh, if uh, if you wanna get to the core of their being, and <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in their heart language is uh, much more effective. Can I, mm. can I share a little experience? Sure. There? That'd be great. Since I mentioned my wife and the influence that I saw with her, her family the missionaries who were their colleagues at that early stage of missions. Uh, when we were missionaries in Ivory coast, we uh, decided to take a, tr- a road trip to Burkina with our kids. So we have three children, excuse me, four children. And, uh, we we drove all the way from uh, the coast of ivory coast to the north and uh, into Burkina and uh, we were headed for the capital city and uh, we had gone through uh, one of the major cities bobo-dioulasso that you know and we're on our way to ouagadougou the capital well in ivory coast uh, there are Service stations everywhere. You can get uh, gasoline anywhere and everywhere. Uh, not so much the case in Burkina. In those <laughs> days. The road in those days, Aaron, between Bobo and Waga wasn't paved yet. And uh, I had uh, I had about a half a tank when we came through Bobo. I thought, well, we'll we've got plenty of plenty of gasoline to get us to Ouaga. Uh, And as we drove along, we got about halfway and the needle was going way
0: down. (laughs) Going the wrong way,
1: huh? We came to a town. And lo and behold, here's a a gas station right along the main road, Boromo. We pull in and uh, our car had Ivory Coast license plates on it. And of course, I said hello to the attendant in French. And he just kind of looked at me and muttered, Bonjour and <laughs> uh, And uh, he told me that he had no no gas. It was all gone all out. Well, my wife uh, was watching and listening to all of this, so she she sticks her head out the window on the other side of the car and she greets this gentleman in. Uh, Maury starts talking with him, asking about the health of his family and his children and his animals, and you know going through all the, the greetings and he's just he's he's looking at her with an astonished eye, and he finally said to her he said how how, how can you still speak my language when uh, your husband doesn't speak well." <laughs> Found him in another country, but she said I learned it as a child, and wow. I love your language. Hmm. He said, "Well, have you been back here?" And she said, "Oh, just for visits." He said, "But you still you still know my language. I'm amazed." She said, "If you love if you love a language and you love a people, can you forget how wow. to speak?" Wow. He just turned around and uh, proceeded to fill our gas tank with <laughs> gas that he didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, What a difference. Yeah. What a difference language makes. Yeah, what a difference.
0: Good. That's good. That's good. Uh, you
1: know, when we adults learn language, it's uh, it's a bigger challenge than if we learn it as kids. MKs have a huge advantage. Uh because they learn it naturally. yeah, uh, And it's hard for us to hide accent and so on. But I still believe our goal should be, our goal should be to learn language as best we can to give it our best effort because it becomes a powerful tool
0: hmm.
1: in our hands for communicating the gospel, for relating to people, and for uh, for building the kind of, of connection that is so vital to making the church strong. i have always said that I think there should be two, two goals in our language learning. Number one, I think we should strive as best we can to learn the language to the point that we don't embarrass our, our national colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) And that may be kind of a homely way of putting it, but, um, We should give it our best effort. Yeah. It should not just be a chore. It should be a huge opportunity for us. Secondly, we should seek and, and again, strive to speak the language well enough that God can use us in that language in the gifts that are so vital to the building of the church. Hmm. Hmm. Preaching. Teaching, exhortation, yeah, it's good. Pastoring, yeah, building. And if we don't, if we don't have that ability, we 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 live constantly with an uphill struggle. Hmm. That's why I think language learning is so so vital, so very Hmm.
0: vital. Good word. That's a good word.
1: The challenge, you know, when you start as an adult. uh, Learning a new language can be discouraging. I remember pushing the tears back up in my eyes every day in uh, French classes in uh, the language school in Switzerland. Yeah. But that's the way it works.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a humbling process for sure. For sure. Dom, one last question for you. Um, you have been in missions now for, for several years. And you've seen missionaries come and you've seen missionaries go. What are some of the characteristics that you've seen of missionaries that have come and maybe stayed when it was easier to go? Because sometimes in missions, it's, it's easier just to pack it up and go home. Um, you know, that's the, that's, it's easier to do that. And what, what are some characteristics you've seen that, of missionaries that have come and they've stayed through the, the good times and they've stayed through the difficult times and kept the call of that God has placed on their heart and focus.
1: Well, that's a huge question, of a vital question, and uh, I don't know that we have time enough for a really good answer. Uh, but I think there, I think there are some basics that uh, are in play here. But number one, I think, I think uh, uh, whoever we are. If we claim to be uh, missionaries, we have to be sure of that calling. Uh, Missionary ministry today is not any any easier than it ever was. In fact, I think it's more complicated and challenging today in our world than it was perhaps uh, 30, 40 years ago or way back in the thirties <laughs> <laughs> history here when my in-laws went to uh, West Africa. Uh, I think we have to be deeply uh, convinced, convinced is such a used word that it, uh, it's almost lost its meaning in English, but we have to be spiritually and, uh, and 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 uh, emotionally convinced that God has called us to serve him. Hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure that God calls us to a particular place and to a particular people for all of our lives. Hmm. but we have to be sure that God has called us. And as He moves us along in that calling, it seems that those who are convinced that they are, in God's right place in God's right time are much more likely to stay and be productive than those who are not. I think one of the one of the challenges of today is uh, that we live in a society in the USA that teaches us to be self-assertive hmm. and find find your gift and find the uh, Uh, your your vision Mm. and we encourage people to to write it out you know Uh, what about God's vision Mm. Uh, his may be different than ours Mm. ours is to serve him and to honor him and we're convinced deeply in our soul that we're in his in his will in his place in his timing, it's a lot easier to stay than if we have one foot in uh, in uh, Beckley, West Virginia, and one foot in uh, Burkina Faso, yeah. or in Madagascar, or in yeah. Kenya, yeah. Or, in China, or wherever we may yeah. be. For sure, uh, I I I think another key element is the unity of couples. In God's calling, Hmm. Uh, you've seen it happen already in your experience, Aaron. Uh, Sometimes uh, one of the one of the members of a couple is deeply convinced and uh, sure of God's calling, and the other is not. uh, When there's not unity between husband and wife about God's call and God's place, it's hard to stay there.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> I remember one national church leadership group saying to me, uh, West Africa, won't name the country, but they said, uh, "You know, uh, Brother Carbon, we we would like to propose that you uh, you take these two wives back to the United States, and you leave the men here. <laughs> let the and let the wives go back to the." US. <laughs> Well, what they were saying was, look, these the, these people are not together in yeah. their in their ministry. They are not together in their commitment. It's not working. Yeah, uh, they they kind of there was kind of tongue in cheek, but uh, right. their message was loud and clear. Yeah. So conviction about uh, God's calling, uh, uh, commitment to to God's calling and placement in his timing. Hmm. Uh, Unity uh, among couples uh, and and consistency. Uh, (laughs) It's always been intriguing to me that some people seem to move constantly. I mean, they're here for three years and they're there for four years and they're in another place for five years and another place six years, pastors in the States, you know, sometimes yeah. about three, four years, uh that's their, that's the extent of their tenure. Yeah. Whereas others stay for longer periods of time. And um, it's, uh, it's not, uh, it's not a secret that many of the strongest churches in our particular denomination and in the evangelical world are churches that have long-term pastors hmm. they've stayed yeah and they've led and they've built the church by their ministry by their by their conviction of calling by their commitment to that calling and to god's placement they have maintained unity in their family and another element that is so vital is that uh uh the people who stay are the people who are growing in their, in their relationship to Jesus and to wow. others. That's good. That's good. You know, Paul, at the end of his life, said uh, this one thing I do. Hmm. He hadn't stopped growing. He hadn't stopped pursuing godliness. He hadn't stopped running the race yeah. to the conference. Uh, and, uh, you know, as long as we live, I'm amazed right now. I'm in my mid eighties, I look back and the thing that amazes me most is how much I knew when I was twenty five and how little I know today yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if we're not growing, stagnation yeah. is a, is a is a terrible thing. it's yeah. like no exercise for the physical body, you know yeah.
0: That is true. That is true. Well, Don, I got through about three of the questions I had for you. I got about six more, but our time is up. But would you pray no, for us? Happens and when you, and well, I'm sorry. I have a long-winded uh, interviewee. No, no, no. We'll have to. If you're willing to, we'll have you back and we can get through the the rest of the questions. It, it's gold, it's wisdom. And um, I've really appreciated our, our time today. Um, will you pray for us? Will you pray for those listening in. Um, that God will use the wisdom that you've shared. Um, so it's not just head knowledge, but it's actually things that we put into application in our life um, about um, in, investing in people, about uh, learning language, about um, caring, and, um, and and about growing. And would you just pray for us, Doc?
1: We'd be glad to. Lord, we uh, acknowledge you as uh, our head. Your head of the church. You're head of our lives, you're the Lord of all. And so we give you praise and we exalt you today. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and for the privilege of serving you. How grateful we are, Lord, for your divine calling. It is divine, it is not human. It's not something that we would naturally choose, but in your wisdom, You've placed your hand upon our lives and you've touched us and said, I want you to serve me. How wonderful it's been to do that. And I pray today, Lord, that the things we've shared about uh, following you and uh, serving you in cross-cultural settings, in uh, missionary contexts, will be useful to uh, those who will listen to this podcast. I pray, Lord, for your blessing to be upon them. Guide their steps. Give them great grace, I pray. Use them for your honor and glory wherever you have called and placed and are uh, using them today. Use them to the greatest possible productivity for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. I pray let it be so. Let it be so. May the army of your called ones, Lord, be a strong productive army, a reproductive army. I pray, Lord, let us have the joy of bringing into being many who uh, follow you and your calling and your placement and uh, multiply our efforts beyond our our wildest imagination. Granted, I pray, Lord. Granted, I pray. I thank you for Aaron. Bless him. Continue to use him. Multiply his uh, many, many contacts and may his influence extend Lord uh, across Africa and far far beyond we bless you and we give you honor and praise today in Jesus name amen amen